Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining His Will for Your Life episode once again. We will be discussing um, when faith is tested and when you're having suicidal thoughts. We have joining us this evening Martina Sellers of California, Lauren Spence of Connecticut, and Paula Williams of Connecticut. And we'll be right back. Stay tuned. His will for your life with Cherie Harris. This is your weekly Wednesday 7 p.m. podcast. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29. Informative, hot topic, testimony, interviews, along with your weekly guests and more. And now here's your host. joining us. I'm your host, Terry LeVon Harris, and I have joining me this evening, Martina Sellers, um, the mental health hygienist, Lauren Spence, and Paula Williams. How are you guys this evening? I'm wonderful. How are you all doing? Excellent. I'm doing well, thank you. Great, great. So tonight we're talking about when your faith is tested and with the question, suicidal thoughts. And so we know that there's a heavy oppressive spirit hovering over the earth, um, as well as over the saints of God, um, to the point where it's wearing and uh, a distracting spirit um, on us. And so a lot of people are dealing with so much, even before the pandemic, the pandemic mm -hmm. is just um, an added pressure, if you will, that has caused people to have these type of thoughts. Um, it may not be you, but it may be someone that you know that have experienced having um, suicidal ideations. And so we have a professional here um, to explain those things. And so I'm gonna give you each an opportunity to um, share who you are. Um, Marty, you have an extensive bio. Um, <laughs> and so um, to read that would take our whole hour. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but I will let you go first um, to tell uh, the viewers who you are. Awesome. First and foremost, Cherie, thank you for this amazing invitation. Uh, my name is Martina Sellers, and I am a, I call myself a mental health hygienist. I am a uh, therapist here in Southern California, and I call myself a mental health hygienist simply because just like we have daily hygiene, 
We need to cleanse and protect our minds on a daily basis and emphasize health and mental wellness. Um, and so that is my passion, what I love doing. So I have a private practice out here in Southern California awesome. where we definitely see individuals, families, and uh, couples, you name it, we try and meet the need, especially in our black and brown communities where we have lack of resources or even exposure to mental health services. Awesome. Awesome. Lauren? Um, again, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, currently, I'm in Connecticut. I'm a licensed funeral director and embalmer. Um, prior to my becoming a funeral director, I spent about 10 years or so working in mental health. Uh, I managed group homes and I dealt with individuals that had mental health and developmental disabilities. Mm. Um, but at this point, funeral service is what I do, and that's probably what I'll take to the grave. So. Okay. Um, no pun intended. You're right. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, Miss Paula Williams. Hello. Hi. So, um, in addition to being, Mar being Marty's number one fan. Oh, listen. <laughs> I yes. love her. Uh, my name is Paula Williams. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I've been in the retirement industry for the last 23 years. And um, years ago, I couldn't even say the word suicide. So the fact that I'm here talking about it just is a testament to what God can do. So I just want to let people who feel hopeless know that there is hope. Mm, Thank you for that. having me. Awesome, awesome. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, as you know, um, there's a heaviness over the earth and um, the weariness of the saints of God. Um, this is something that we don't talk about in, mm -hmm. in the house of God, but it's 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 there. Um, and you know, I can go first. There were um, maybe about 10, 15 years ago that those thoughts were present with myself. Mm -hmm. um, I've been saved since I was 15, have a great relationship with God, but it was so much weighing on me that I felt like it would be better off if I was gone mm -hmm. because of the pressure. Um, and so I thank God for having that relationship with him. And I thank God for um, having um, a friend who at that time really didn't know, but I had shared that um, the thoughts um, that I had put out my my clothing um, and I was writing a letter and because of her profession, she shared that she was going to call the police <laughs> and, um, you know, and, you know, she prayed me through. Um, but it was it was a thing that I thought needed to be done at that time. Um, mm. And so I'm not saying everybody has those thoughts and they don't, um, but I did at that time that was years ago though i'm all right now um i know how to um you know fight in the spirit but there was a time where i was i was getting beat so badly in the you know from the enemy that that's what my out was mm -hmm. so, i too experienced suicidal uh, thoughts um a few years ago i went through some significant challenges and changes in my own life and um one particular night i decided to get on the highway and drive on a bridge and uh, while sitting there <clears throat> excuse me i pulled over i pulled my gun out and i couldn't decide whether i wanted to shoot myself or figure out how to get my car to the bottom of the river 
And so I sat there for quite some time, and um, long behold, an off-duty state trooper had rolled past and saw me pulled over. And he had passed me, and then apparently he got off the exit, got off, got back on the highway, and came back around and saw me yet again. And so now he pulled over, assuming I was broken down or stranded. And we had a conversation about many things other than me wanting to kill myself. Mm -hmm. um, he ushered me back onto the road. I then got home and I began to think about other ways that I could still go ahead and commit this act. I was in a very dark place. I thought about driving to the funeral home and starting up the van in the garage and letting the CO just fill the room. and. Then I thought about, no, and that's not the way to do it, and that's not what God would want. And I thought about what I was always taught about, going to hell if you killed yourself. And then I, I, I reminded myself of the things that I had been able to overcome in my life. Mm -hmm. A lot of struggles that I had had, um, my weight being one of them. Uh, at one point, I was over 400 pounds, and I was able to lose that and to maintain that and to wow. regain what I once had lost in reference to my health and my self-esteem and my worth and my work as far as me as an individual. So I felt like if I was able to get through that, conquer that, maintain that success, yes. along with therapy, along with counseling, along with the support of others, then I could get through anything. And that's how I was able to. And honest to God, not just because she's on the line, but Paula Williams was significant in my ability to get through those issues. I mean, that's my big sister. And yes. I've always loved Paula. I, I love her family. I love her spirit. And it's people like that in my life that has enabled me to get through the fact of wanting to commit suicide. And I'm like you. I've gotten through it. I'm over it. Um, but I once was there. Yes. And it's really interesting, too, because Lauren had already got past that and he was on Facebook Live talking about what had happened many months ago. But mm -hmm. I caught the middle of it. So I'm thinking it's happening now. Right. So my husband and I had just left the Olive Garden. We had a date night and we're watching him pouring out his soul. And we just did a beeline to the funeral home. And we're like, what's going on? Are you okay? Which is where I live. I wasn't trying to commit suicide. She got to say that. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I said, we are not leaving here until we know that you are good. Like, I will right. not let go until I know that you are good. So then when I found out that he was actually talking about what mm -hmm. he had already been through, it just made me feel like, okay, he's, he's, he's okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, you know, I, I, Paula's going to win the uh, Spiritual Academy Awards just for just. <laughs> right, right. She's just yes. everyone's angel. I love it. Yes. But you know what? Uh, sure. Thank you for having this amazing conversation, because we don't talk enough about. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm sanctified, filled with the precious Holy Ghost. Depends on what day of the week Depends it is. Of the week. That's right. Right, 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 right. We all go through depression. Mm -hmm. We all go through hard times. That's what Psalms is all about. So y'all pulling out my, my, my theology now. <laughs> that, that's what Psalms is all about. David was lamenting. Everywhere you turn, oh, God, don't take your spirit away from me. Yes. And, and we, we all lament. Mm -hmm. but, 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 and thank you for saying that. It's a trick of the enemy to try to steal, kill, and destroy. Because he knows if he can't have your soul, then he's going to try and take your mind, take your joy, take everything else like that. And we have to have conversations. Like being depressed and being a saint 
one, it's okay. That's Two, right. it's normal. And That's three, right. let's just not stay there. Right. Let's not stay there. Christ even said, listen, Father, if there's any other way, since we're going into Easter season, let this bitter cup be taken yes. from me, but yes. not my will, but thy will be done. Mm. Yes. And it's okay that we sometimes experience what feels temporarily like hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, in that. And thank you for having this conversation amongst the saints, because we feel we have to be super saint. How you doing? Yeah. Say, oh, blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah. You're going through. It's okay. Say, baby, I'm struggling today. That's right. I'm and struggling like, today. My motto is, it's it's okay not to be okay. That's right. You know, sometimes That's as right. leaders, we feel like we have to have that face. Right. You know, Robin Williams once said, you know, people don't fake depression. They think fake being okay. Yes. Um, yes. So everyone is looking for you to be all right because you're that strong friend or you're that strong family member. But you know you have to check on your 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 strong friends and family. That's right. That is so true. And I think even we have to be careful that. But in the midst of the year that we've had in 2020, mm. we cannot ignore that suicide rates have drastically increased in 2020, especially among our black community. And why is that? Well, even after one, look at after we had George Floyd and we all saw that mm -hmm. there were four immediate within three weeks, four suicides of black men uh, across this country. One in New York, one in Houston and two out here in L.A. Mm -hmm. that, that tells you, especially, you know, as a, as a therapist, what, uh, this year, 2020, I've had more black men come to me. Thank God in therapy in this past year than I've had in all four years of my private practice. Wow. And when I say, even in what we're doing in Zoom, I've had black men come in here and do the, I won't say it this way, the, the Oprah ugly cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and they're embarrassed. I'm like, man, you don't have to be embarrassed because in here is a safe space. Yes. And you don't have to carry on the weight of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, and seeing George Floyd, uh, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, uh, Breonna Taylor, y'all, I'm a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I had to call my therapist and, and, and the other black therapists. I said, man, I'm struggling right now. Mm -hmm. I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. And that's so, that's so important. And I'm glad that you're, you're speaking that because I say every pastor needs a pastor. Every oh, come on. Needs a therapist, every counselor needs a counselor. We need someone that we can download to and someone that can also hold us accountable. Yes. So, you know, we can't just always be that go-to. That's right. I, I have about three pastors who are clients of mine. Okay. And 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 they're just, for the first time in history, we had everybody on the sick and shutting list. <laughs> I, I say that lightly, but, 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 but the amount of grief and mm -hmm. death and sickness that they've had to um, experience, calls off the hook, and then feeling hopelessness mm -hmm. that because of COVID, they can't go to the hospitals. They can't go to the homes. So what do I do? So they're panicking. They're going losing their minds. I'm like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. 
Uh -huh. This is when we got to put put our faith. This is when our faith is tested. Yes. And to have these outlets. So again, this is amazing that we can have this outlet and that we're able to share these thoughts. We all have been there. You know, it may have crossed our mind. I thank God for like a uh, Dorinda Clark who, who shared her powerful testimony uh -huh. and that she wanted to just drive off and her whole family lost it. But, but We've been there. We, we can no longer secretly suffer in silence, in the shadow of shame. We can't do it any longer. Yeah. And that's the problem. We suffer in silence. Yes. Um, and, and one of the, the, the reasons people suffer in silence, because we talk too much. Mm. Take everything and turn it into gossip instead yes. of listening and saying, what can I do to help? Let me refer you to someone. Even when people come to me with things, if it's beyond um, what I do, I refer them out. Um, you know, I can pray for you. I'll pray in a minute. Right. But then when I know you need something outside of prayer, because we do um, mm -hmm. things outside of prayer, um, I send them out. I refer them to to therapists or, you know, counselors, someone that can that can see them through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's so important that we have to take this misconception about I can either pray or if I see my therapist, I'm, I'm going against my faith. No, baby, you can pray and see your therapist and maintain your salvation. Yeah, and you in know, fact, one, one yeah. thing I do, um, and I don't know the statistics, but I know they say black men in general don't go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, I go to the doctor a lot and I'm a pretty healthy individual. Mm -hmm. but it's cheaper for me to go to the doctor on a quarterly basis and have a routine follow-up and have a therapeutic conversation with my primary care provider about all factors of life than it is for me to go to a private therapist. So I see my doctor quite a bit and we talk about various different things. And if I have a direct issue, I'm referred to a specialist if, if, if need be. But I go just because sometimes I just want someone to talk to. And I feel like my doctor is a safe place for me to be. And him and I have a great relationship. He's got a great rapport. He's been my primary for the last 14 years. And so mm -hmm. for me to be able to go to him four and five times a year sometimes, it's a great outlet. And I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining my physical health. I'm maintaining areas of my life that if, you know, maybe I didn't go, things may have gotten by the wayside or slipped through the cracks. So one thing, I guess my point is that I encourage our people to do is have a primary care provider, have a doctor, have someone that you can relate to, whether it's a family practitioner, whatever the case may be. But you know, oftentimes you can you can have that therapy with that individual and not have to go to a therapist or to a counselor. But you have to be honest, and you have to go in with integrity and with the sense of being honest about your habits and your concerns. You know, do you smoke? No, I don't smoke. You do. I can smell it. Like there's no sense of lying about it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know, you smoke weed, no, but your urine came back positive. So why lie? Why not just be positive up front and then go from there? So that's been a way for me to be able to channel a lot of my thoughts and concerns. I just go see my primary care provider. And I love that. I'm going to push back a little bit because I am a therapist <laughs> uh, with that. Uh, uh, I feel, you know, we have so many other things that we put a priority. Mm -hmm. I put my mental health as a priority. And and uh, here's where I challenged a lot. Of my, I said, "Give me your weed money. Give give me because the saints are smoking weed. I'm sorry. Give me your <laughs> alcohol money because the saints is turning back. I'm sorry. Give me your fun money. Uh, give give me your 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 play money. And I'm going to guarantee you that that because you're feeding into working out your issues, the return on that 
is going to be much greater. Well, I have to do that, and I, I, I yeah. encourage people to see it there. I saw one for several years. Wonderful. And, and 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 I get it, and it was it was very beneficial for me. But I'm just saying, for me, I, I just uh -huh. have a secondary outlet. Yeah, and I love the secondary outlets definitely. You know, I have clients that I see once a quarter that we just do checkups, uh -huh. and because they've been uh, continual clients of mine, it might be they just checking in. It uh -huh. it, it can be a copay. You know, and I think it's finding the right one. I, I'm not, I'm not definitely, I agree with you. You can definitely have your primary care. They're great too, but I would definitely strongly ingest, suggest, you know, possibly just someone that you can talk to and, and get that out too. Go ahead. I feel it's more important to have a Christian therapist um, because so many people dibble and dabble in so many different things. You know, I think it goes back to the word of God. But when you have a therapist that is saved and know the word of God, they can also implement that in their um, their therapy sessions. Um, and I think that's very important. Um, Marty, if I can call you Marty, we have we having you back in, in May, May 5th, yes. actually, um, with the topic of faith and therapy. So it, it does couple together. It goes hand in hand. And so we need to have faith, of course. But mm -hmm. there are times where we also need therapy. We need that help. Um, mm -hmm. uh, navigating through uh, these trials that we're having. And I love partnering with situation. churches. Go ahead, Paula. I would give anything for my father to have had um, mental health in any capacity whatsoever. He right. always prided himself on never going to the doctor, didn't have many friends, didn't talk mm -hmm. to many people. And um, after my mother and he divorced, shortly after I graduated from college and had just got married eight weeks after graduating college, um, they divorced and he had no one to turn to whatsoever mm -hmm. to the point where he cut all of us off and mm -hmm. said, I don't call me, don't look for me. I don't want anything to do with any of you. And this went on for over six years, almost seven. Mm -hmm. And then one day we just kind of, he called, out of the blue and said I made a mistake and asked for forgiveness and owned up to it and forgiveness is not for the person it's for you you know mm -hmm. you to let those things go and um and I just accepted him back to into my life and I forgave him instantly mm -hmm. but I did not see him because it took a little time to work back up into seeing him sure and then one day I was actually headed to Bridgeport, Connecticut for a funeral and I called him and he said, this is where I am, come through. And I think she has a clue. So I just bumped into my father. I haven't seen him in like six I won. years. And when he first saw me, he went the other direction. I don't think he recognized who I was, but now he knows who I am. <laughs> So, no, no, I was walking over there to see. Uh, when I walked over there, I saw all the cars there. I didn't know what you were driving. You see what I mean? Yeah. All right. It's been a long time. I know, I know. Good to see you. Yeah. Next week, we're going to meet up, I guess. Yes. All right. Yes. Wow. So, so that was yeah. a beautiful. Um, Very nice. I saw him, and things were great, and we rebuilt our relationship. This went on for a couple of months 
And then finally it was Father's Day. And I'm like, I haven't seen my father on Father's Day in almost seven years, so I am taking that drive. And we went to um, my mother's church, and I remember leaving the church, and there was a daily bread, um, those little books on mm -hmm. um, as we were leaving the church. So I grabbed one of those, and we went to see him on Father's Day. For me, that was remarkable. My husband, my kids, and we're talking, and he's laughing, and we had the best visit. He's from a country called Belize, and we're looking at YouTube videos about Belize. And I was like, this is just wonderful. So that was on Sunday. That was Father's Day. The very next day, we go to Six Flags, New Jersey, so Connecticut to New Jersey. While we're in New Jersey, he is in New York City, which we didn't know because that would have been a, something like, oh, we'll come get you on the way home. We didn't know that he was in New York. We're in New Jersey. As we're coming through New Jersey, we had to go through New York City to get back to Connecticut. While we're in, while we're coming through New York, he's in New York in a McDonald's in Midtown Manhattan that has two floors. He goes to the second floor, eats a cheeseburger, and then goes in the men's room and shoots himself in the head. Right. Just like that. No warning mm. whatsoever. And then he left a note saying, I'm sorry, I'm too old. I did this to myself. Mm. And for that first day, he was like just a John Doe in a morgue in New York. We wow. couldn't even, no one even knew until they tied his fingerprints and linked him to my mom. So in that case, that's what I mean. I wish he had someone like Marty mm -hmm. or just anyone to talk to because I feel like it could be prevented. And then it uh. leaves everyone left behind so devastated because people would ask what happened to your dad. And I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't right. want to say the words. There was a stigma to it. I was embarrassed. I um, would go to funerals for other people that lost their dads. And these were like godly men. And I used to be like, I wish I had that. Like they had that blessed assurance that their mm -hmm. dad's in heaven, which I don't know if mine is or isn't. But it's just the fact that you just feel like, how did this happen to me? And right. it took all this time, exactly five years, because this was in 2016, for me to say those words out loud wow. and for an audience and to be able to tell people that you're not alone. And if you feel like you don't, life's not worth living, it is. Because there's yeah. no yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is so powerful. But I think that that shows when people get to that point of hopelessness, that they think that that, and, and for men, um, it's such a final, the completion of it. Uh -huh. Men are definitely more final in that, uh -huh. um, a lot more than what women are. And and they, for men, it is quick. Um, and, and from strangulation to gun are the, definitely the top two um, and hanging the top three with that. Uh, I, uh, care, I think in my almost 11 years in funeral service, I've done a lot of suicides, a lot, mm. a lot, a lot. And um, majority were men. Yeah. And I don't know the truth, but a good portion of them were fathers, husbands, they had families. Yes. Um, and for those that didn't leave, you know, I used to always ask myself, I wonder what pushed them over the edge. You know, you wonder what causes someone to tie a rope around their neck, climb a ladder, tie the rope on the rafters in the garage, and then sit there, because there's got to be a moment where you sit there and contemplate what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
then you 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 just take the ladder from under you, and then that's just the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you know your child comes home, and um, they just find you hanging. And then you ask yourself, what was it that bad? And I can say personally, because I, I just shared my story, for a moment it was that bad. For mm-hmm. a moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I pray that as everyone goes through life, we, we deal with it for the moment. And we don't let it consume our complete being. And we're able to get through whatever it is we're dealing with. And obviously some people aren't able to. So, Paula, I appreciate that story. Um, I knew it. And every time I hear it, it actually does my heart glad um, because it just reminds me that I, I was not alone. And I, I think the other thing is that even though I'm through it, it still is a daily struggle. Not the suicide thought, but the thought of just knowing that I have value, the thought of knowing that I'm here, that I have purpose. And so you have to constantly remind yourself that and you have to constantly push every day. And, you know, again, going back to my weight loss journey, that in itself is a daily struggle. And so as I accomplished that, it allows me to focus my life in other areas and know I can get to those challenges as well. So. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have um, one of our viewers who says, please talk about how the suicide affects those left behind, family and friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I could jump right in there. But, um, th- there is, and I think we've heard that, that sense of loss. We, we, you go through the, the, the cycles of, of grief with that because we always go well what if i did this or could i have done something differently i've lost a a um young adult black male to suicide um and 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 if i talk too much about it it's still to this day and it's been about it's been over six years and it still hurts as if it were just yesterday um and he took a bus from southern california the la region all the way up to the Bay Area, San Francisco, on a bus ride, it's a minimum of a 10 to 12 hour bus ride to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge because he felt there was no hope. It leaves families devastated. And then a very dear good friend of mine, he was on the phone with his ex-wife when their son and, and, and his son left that, dad, you've been a great father. I just want to say thank you. Clear sign when you're starting to have these Paul, you said when laying out your, you know, laying out your clothes and all these things, we have to be aware of the signs that are happening. And as he was calling his ex-wife, they both heard the gun go off, and the and he was 17, a senior in high school, shot himself. And and I was doing some research while before, and and it's alarming that from 2001 to 2017, black female suicide rates between the ages, here's what's going to start, uh, startle you, 13 to 19. And now we're looking at suicide as young as 10-year-old now. Yeah. Black females between those age, it has increased 180%. Wow. And in our young Black men, by the same age group, 13 to 19, it has increased over 60%. And, and what these, is the now? I'm sorry? What's the reason? Do we know? Well, well, we have to look at for 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 our and I, I have to go culturally. What what's happening with us, especially in twenty twenty, we've seen suicide go up. The, the the racism has definitely been a huge part of it. Uh-huh. The continued seeing that there is our black men feeling there is no hope, uh, because then we have to go into the excessive depression. Uh-huh. 
and us not knowing the signs of depression, uh-huh. us not knowing the signs of anxiety, us not knowing what it feels like and, and that, us not having adequate access to healthcare services. Right. Many of us not knowing how to contact and even find a therapist. Mm. Me as a black male therapist, I represent 1% of the entire field. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. 1% as a black male therapist. Right. And I know, Marty, you're in California. I did something yes. in Connecticut. And from ages 10 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death. Yes. Yes. And that's just alarming. And a lot of times you don't know the reason. And like you said with the clothes, I asked the cop, what, what was he wearing? He was wearing a shirt that I had gave him. And he was holding that daily wow. bread book. Those were the only things, you know, wow. to know that that was really my father. And so since I started speaking out about this, which hasn't even been this long, I talked about it for the first time publicly on his birthday, which was February 4th. I mm. got countless people telling me about an 11 year old, a 10 year old, a 30 year old. And these were like, not even that long ago, people that right. their own lives. There yes. Was a sixth grader in Connecticut two weeks ago, a sixth grader committed suicide. Yes. I we, really... don't know, we don't know the reasons. And through grief, I went through a lot. I went through a year and a half of grief therapy. That luckily yes. I belonged to a church that provided that service. And she taught us there's a difference between true guilt, false guilt. I'll never yes. know the reasons. Never. I wish right. I could. But those are just some of the things that you have to let go and let God because yes. said, we'll understand it better by and by. That's right. Yeah. I've read somewhere, and I can't remember if it's 13 seconds or 13 minutes that someone is committing suicide Mm -hmm. in the the world. Yeah. If we're looking at worldwide, it's probably every 13 seconds, Mm -hmm. you know, with that. The the rates are just um, alarming, and we can no longer turn a blind eye or a deaf ear. That is affecting our community so much. Mm-hmm. When you don't get the proper educations or or don't get the job opportunities and and these other things, the post traumatic stress that we deal with on a daily basis, mm-hmm. um, from what what is witnessing violence, the the feelings of of segregate segregation or or discrimination on the job in the school at home all over. You know, when you can't go and wear a hoodie, who would have thought that that because of the pandemic, a black man and a black woman can wear a mask and not think it's a robbery? But right, yeah. Even though we make light, it's very serious. Very serious. You know, uh, uh, I have to have conversations, and 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 uh, with my sons, I said, "Listen, son, I need you to come home alive every night. Mm-hmm. Every night." every night so we you, you gotta let me know where you're if it's past 11 30 12 o'clock he's got i'm safe here i'm at and, and and that's just our code and but but we have to have these conversations i think we got to have these conversations about suicide awareness and really for black men i call it the coca-cola syndrome we're told to shut up man up yeah. no, don't, don't show any so when we explode wow. we, we explode internally we right. implode first right and let's let's talk about that for a minute, um, Marty, because so many men from the time that they're able to understand they are drilled, don't cry, get up, right. get yourself off, and they go through life like that mm-hmm. when it's okay to cry. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to have a sensitive spot, you know, and, and, and most men, um, they'll tell you they weren't allowed to cry. They weren't allowed. Especially yes. if their dad was present. Yes. And, and I get it from, from, from my grandfather's generation and, and all of that, because they were just trying to survive mm-hmm. in so many cases, but we cannot continue that negative narrative that we have placed in black men specifically. And we have to teach them how to share. Doesn't mean they're gonna be crying all over the place. You're like, listen, I'm angry. And this is why I'm angry. And and teaching us how to redirect that anger Uh and how to say, you know, Paula, um, um, that comment you said, maybe I took it the wrong way, but it made me feel this way. Can we discuss it? You know, and that would stop a lot of the domestic violence that we have, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the abuse and battery that we have. Um, and, and, and even with a lot of this, I have to go because black men, we, we, and, and I know this, that's a whole nother show where we talk about sexual abuse that black men have experienced mm-hmm. at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then told, listen, just man up. You should be honored. No. So how do I process that? And they carry that secret. I have so many black men. I would dare to say of my clients that are black men, 25% of them have experienced some sort of sexual assault or molestation that they have never spoken about that drives them crazy. And it's a secret suffering killer in their lives. So that's suffering in silence. And where we just suffer in silence. There's yes. no to talk to because then you're going to be prejudged by what you said. So now yes. everyone's going to treat you like, Okay, you're especially homophobics. Yes. Yeah. And so you well, respond. What you said though about trying to redirect, but you also validate the person's concern and issue. And I think Most often people are just redirected without validating their situation, and so yes. then that forces them to just close everyone out because mm-hmm. you know I, I need a shoulder to lean on. I don't need you to tell me that I'm right. I need you to listen and to yes. acknowledge what I'm dealing with and then help me get through that. And without that, it just forces people to close up. And like you said, then we implode. Yes. And now everything is just bottled up. Yes. Because you have no one to validate your issue. Or at least validate the fact that what you're saying is okay to feel how you feel and then help you get through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that that's the important part of validating someone's feelings because you don't know what they're feeling or what they dealt with. But when you're already ready to scold them for feeling that way, it makes them withdrawn. And so now they don't want to talk to anybody about it. And then that's when they go and carry out their plan. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. So, Marty, share with some of the signs that parents may need to look for or a family member um, need to look for from a friend or another family member that may um, have suicidal um, ideations. Awesome. Paula hit it right on the nose when she had some leaving a letter or a note. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're starting to get all these phone calls like, hey, wait a minute, you got a call from so-and-so too? You got a call too? Wait a minute, what's what's going on? Um, when people start giving away their prized possessions and their personal items, mm-hmm. you're like, you love that trophy or you love those jeans. Wait a minute, no, why are you? No, I don't, I don't need them anymore. Mm-mm. Talk to me. Talk when, when people are starting to isolate or cutting off friends. And I say it this way: if someone's behave normal behaviors are totally different, mm-hmm. 
that's a, a time to raise an eyebrow and not say what's wrong with you. That That's judgment. What's wrong with you? We've all heard that. We got to ask, a, hey, something's going on. How are you doing? See, that's different. That shows concern as opposed to, well, what's wrong with you? That's judgment. And we have to be careful not to judge um, in those. Get them to talk. If you have concerns, don't leave them alone. I love what you said, Paula. You know, like, mm -mm, we're doing a beeline from Olive Garden, but we ain't leaving you. What's going on? And she did. And it was her and it was several other friends. And not only did they just come, we sat there for quite some time. I mean, <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm ready for y'all to go now. You know, it was like, it was a long time, but I appreciate it. Yes. Somebody had a, a blessing. Yeah, that's a clear, you know, just doing something like that, just showing up, say, listen, I know you said don't come over. I'm here. I done brought pizza. I got some soda, got some pop. If we got to stay here all night and get fat and happy, we're going to do something up in here. But let's talk. Let's go. Let's go for a walk. Whatever. A lot of times it's getting people out of that atmosphere because suicide is a permanent condition to a temporary problem. Yeah. And we got to help them to see that that's temporary, but you don't have to do, make this permanent decision. And then you're leaving everyone else lost behind you. Now it's not meant to be a selfish act because they are too, they're not thinking in their right mind. So a lot of times they say, well, that was selfish. Well, for them, it was not selfish at that point in time, but we have to look at why they you know, are th contemplating this. And then it does leave. And I like, uh, I think it was Vanessa Green's, her, her comment, how do we help those behind? And, and what does it do to those behind? And thank you, Paula, for saying, you know, we can't uh, uh, take it. There's so many different levels of grief uh, in that and, and making sure we're looking at it from the right angle. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's unbelievable. But, but for me, I've made it clear that I'd never want to, as long as I can help, to have another young black male or anyone commit suicide with me trying to do everything in my will. Cause I, I stop, I'll say, okay, now you didn't turn the corner. We got to talk. What's your plan? How are we going to do this? What, what's going on? Uh, do you have means? Do you have access? Baby, you, we can't leave. Can't clear the rest of my appointment. We talking. Mm -hmm. And we, and we can't be afraid of Everybody's grief journey is it could take years and we can't judge them for how the process is. Yes. Yes. We um, are going to take a, a two minute break. Um, we'll be right back, but um, stay, stay tuned. Please gather your questions that you may have um, for any one of our guests um, when we return. Stay tuned. And share the broadcast. Share the broadcast. You're like a circle that floats around me. Keeping me safe and sound And when I fall, you've tied a rope to me You're blessing me every day I was down with an illusion Like a sparrow with broken wings But now I shine with your reflection on me I'm getting back up on my feet
back. <laughs> that was pretty abrupt. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes, I'm gonna be professional like you. You got this beautiful two minute break in there. I love it. Everyone gotta get a drink of water. I love right, it. Right, right, right. I awesome. Yeah, I know it can get heated up, and you know our mouths will get a little dry. So I have a little break there. I mean, I'm glad that you guys took advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't have any questions, but um, I want to talk about it because specifically this platform is some of the things that we shy away from in the church. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, our faith is tested. It doesn't make us less of a Christian. It doesn't make us That's less right. of a leader or whatever our position may be in the church. Um, but um, sometimes our faith is tested. You mm -hmm. know, my faith is tested quite often but I know how to quiet myself and be still and, and go before the Lord um, until I receive an answer. Uh, there's this song that has been ministering to me for the last week or so. It's by Nia Allen and it's simply called Wheat. But mm. part of that in her verse, she says, don't move, wait on God. Mm. And so a lot of times we're going to experience so many different things that's coming at us. But the, the thing is don't move. Many know me and they know that my worst fear is to be outside of the will of God. And so when God tells me to do something, I check with him several times. I need a confirmation before I move. Even like when he told me to start this podcast, I'm like, oh, yes, sure. I'll do it because I thought I had to be behind the scenes. When I thought of a podcast, I thought, yeah, I can do audio. But when it was live, it was a whole different story. So um, just knowing that our faith will be tested is just a matter of trusting God and, and having that outlet where we can speak um, to someone as well as maybe pastors should now implement this in some of their programs at mm -hmm. church, you know, to, to have where people need to speak to them and, um, uh, you know, if they're having suicidal thoughts or if they just need an outlet for someone to just listen to them mm -hmm. without having to say anything. No, I'm so glad you said that because we're at my church. We're definitely starting. We, we always had some uh, barely started a grief and loss, but I just did a um, completed a six week training class on the stages of grief. And we were dealing with that. And some of them um, had suicide or some of their family members had committed suicide or successful to suicide and or or even with COVID. And we're seeing that there's a need for a support group that's ongoing like this. Mm -hmm. And thank you for saying that because I totally agree. And we therapists, or if you ask your members in your church, hey, are you a therapist or a licensed coach or something that can support us in that? Listen, we give free services all the time. And if it's helping the body of Christ and helping create safe spaces for especially men uh, to be able to just say, hey, I'm not okay, then that's half the battle right there. Mm -hmm. What about the long-term effects that this is gonna have, this whole COVID situation on all of our frontline workers, doctors, nurses? Um, I don't you have a loaded question. But I know that there are many funeral directors that have committed suicide. Yes. Many doctors that have committed yes. suicide, nurses. Uh, Connecticut and New York were hot zones, epicenters for a good portion of mm -hmm. April and May of last year. Yes. And I didn't think about suicide, but I walked into a portion of our facility and I saw more death at that moment 
than I had ever in one room in all of my career. And the amount of people that had succumbed to COVID-19 in the months of April, May, and June was just astronomical. And so, you know, when this is all over, who's going to support our doctors, our nurses, our therapists who had to provide therapy to everyone else? I mean, who, who, who supports the frontline workers? That's a great question. And, and I, I think what we're going to have to be ready for is a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. That have. And, and I have, um, and it's a shameless plug tonight, I have four black female doctors coming on and we're talking about the effects of COVID mm-hmm. uh, and doing that. And, and so offline, we have a conversation about that and 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 them seeking me for therapy and all that and that i have my own therapist like um um, you know i believe you have to have one Mm -hmm. especially in this climate that we're going through so that i don't lose my sanity and sometimes i have to say i have to take a mental health day just because i've heard so much just like you you've seen so much death uh more than you have in in your career with that how do you at some point you have to step back so that you don't become you don't dehumanize yourself in your work that you do that's right um marty go ahead and share how they can watch you you're coming on this evening yes on on um my show mental health matters with marty and thank you for that um and we have a show that i call um uh house calls and it's with dr allen um, Dr. McK- uh, McKinney, uh, Dr. Horn, and um, I forgot the last, uh, Sherry's last name, uh, Shelly's last name. With her. But but I wanted to bring on Black doctors mm-hmm. for us to talk about the vaccination. Let's talk about COVID, how it's affected our communities. I believe in an integrative approach to medicine where we have not just our doctors, but our, our therapy as well so that we can all talk together because like you're saying, definitely you see your doctor on a quarterly basis. And if I see them once a month or twice a month, we all can now put together the best treatment plan specifically designed for you, for your physical and emotional health and wellness. Absolutely. And, and we talk about um, after this pandemic that we're going to need a year or two just to deal with the amount of grief, death that we have set, dealt with. Because, you know, as, as a funeral director and, and all that, we go into work mode. Mm-hmm. And then when it all starts to slow down, that's when we break. I had put a post on Facebook a while back, and I'm paraphrasing, but I said, I have everyone lean and cry on my shoulders every day. Who do I get to lean on? Yeah. And, you know, Sometimes, you know, you stand there and you've got a straight face and you're, here, you're in work mode, you're here to serve, but on the inside, you're dealing with your own issues. You're dealing yes. with grief and this tragedy. Just the same when you think about all the people that have succumbed to this, you know, how many folks have had to close the casket on over and over again just because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it is just constant. And then you're at a point where only 10 people can come to a funeral at some point. And, People are dying with no one by their side. And, you know, I'm coming into your home with a hazmat suit on to come and get your mother who died from COVID. You don't want to see that. You don't, Even though you understand what we're dealing with, it, it's tough. And so now who do I have? And so I, I appreciate that, that, that you recognize that after this is all said and done, we're going to need some time. There's going yeah. to be some PTSD among all of us. Yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, and funerals are totally different. I'm the advisor for the bereavement ministry at our church. So we were the ones on 
there on the side of the cat. We would greet Lauren mm -hmm. in the doorway. <laughs> but then we're stationed, you know, two people on each side. And then as soon as a tear drops, we're giving people tissue. We're rubbing their back. We're holding them. We're crying over. I cried over people I had never even met because right. of the grief that I saw on the loved ones left behind. You can't even do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I went to a wake. Oh, actually, a service Saturday, I saw Lauren there. And it's like you want to go to hug and your elbow bumping. And it's mm -hmm. just, when is that going to come back? Like When, when you do you start shaking hands again? If I don't never shake another hand, I won't be mad. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do. That's I know, but people miss hugs. I mean, when do we ever, do we ever get back to that? You know, does the church ever get back to where we're elbow to elbow and, and we've got 200 people in the choir stand in robes and, and, and having three night revivals and packing out the place and overflow? Are we ever going to get back to that? I don't think so. What do you think, Mark? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful. I really am. I'm hopeful. Will it, will it be in the next year? I don't think it's going to be in the next year. I don't know. Um, but maybe in the next couple of years, we'll, we'll see what happens. And we just pray and trust the will of God. That, that's when our faith comes in. Right. Uh, you know, we've, we've gone through one pandemic before, you know, so, uh, years of many, what, to, that, the 19, 20 or something like that. But right. hey, we, we made it through that one. We'll make it through this one. And, and uh, we're, we're here. We're here. Yes. There's so many that yes. aren't. Marty, do you want to speak in terms of being a COVID survivor? Uh, yes. You know, and, and, <laughs> <laughs> yes, even as a COVID survivor. <laughs> I love the co-host of that. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'm a therapist and I had to talk to myself mm -hmm. because I have never been that sick for that long in my mm -hmm. entire life. Um, Did you think you were going to die? At, at times, yeah, I, I could see why people would get in that spiral mindset. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to go to the hospital, so they thought they considered mine mild. I'm like, well, this is mild. I hate to see what, what severe felt like. Right. Um, and, and I was sick. My son was sick. My mother who lives with me, she was sick. My brother was sick. My business partner, so the three, so I'm trying to go up and down the steps, making sure my elderly mother was taken care of. Mm -hmm. And there were times I couldn't make it up the steps. I just laid out in the middle of the living room floor mm -hmm. um, with that. And I had to talk to myself and said, this is temporary. This is temporary. This is temporary. God, I know this is not the end because I know that you have a plan for me and I have not fulfilled your plan. So God help me. That was a the mental daily talk that I had to have with myself. Mm -hmm. And I watched you push through because I remember you doing one of your shows and you were sweating. And I just have to say, you increased my prayer life because- Oh my I God. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was trying to hide it as much as possible. Obviously, you didn't do a good job, sir. I had pillows. I had towels. I was sweating. Portia goes, "What is wrong with you?" I'm suffering from COVID. Just, just take the camera off of me as much as you can and keep it pushing. <laughs> That's amazing. Ooh, so um, we talked about COVID and. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about um, suicidal thoughts, of course. Um, so let's talk to someone, maybe in an audience or may listen to this later, what to do when your faith is tested. 
because sometimes people, some people just have a good la la la. They're just skipping around and they've mm -hmm. never encountered anything. They've never had any issues. Yes, Lauren. I, I, I think if they're honest, they have encountered a lot. Right. So a good memory is what allowed me to get through. And so oh, right. I remember that he's brought me through so much, so many mm. other things. And then I think the bigger issue is I had to be honest with what I was dealing with. Yes. I had to weigh what I was dealing with and, and, yes. and pretty measure what I was going through mm -hmm. and understood that it really wasn't as heavy as what I had been brought through. And mm. so mm. that allowed me to get through that. So uh, when you talk about faith, faith really often is, is uh, just reminding you of what God has already yes. done. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I remember um, this 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 bishop always quote her. She said a long time ago, and it stuck with me. I may have been in my 20s when she said this, but it, it, it was so profound. She said, we don't need another miracle. We need a memory. Mm -hmm. So we need to think back on that time that God did bring us through. And Amen. that has always stuck with me. We don't need another miracle. We need a memory. Yes. And part of how we can keep the memory going is by journaling. Yeah. Because that, that's a record of, of what God has done specifically that's for right. us. That's right. So that when we get in those depressed moments, we, we're going to have them as long as you're breathing and, and we're on this earth, there's going to be times you have those depressed moments that mm -hmm. you just don't feel like getting up. You just don't feel like. But when when I can go to my journal and be like, oh, yeah, God did. Do, oh, yeah, wait, yes, wait a minute. Yes. OK. And then you get that hope. You're like, OK. Yes. Yes. Well, the fact that he woke you up was was enough hope for me because the wages of sin is death, right? So every day that I'm able to get up, that's another gift. That's another opportunity to realize that you're here for a reason and for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And he allowed me to wake up yet again to fulfill that purpose. And so you talk about a memory. You just remember all the steps you took in life and all yes. the obstacles you overcome. They were for a reason and for a purpose. And you know, he's not through working with me yet, so I had to remember that. You know, and 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 sometimes the best part about it, honestly, you just have to encourage yourself, truthfully. Mm -hmm. You have to just, just, just. If no one else encourages you, you have to encourage yourself. That's yes. right. Yes, yes, and I had to do that a lot, where I just had to be like David, encourage myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you're going to find yourself giving your own self a pat on the back, or. Give me your own self a high five, you know, mm. and, and, and that's where it is. You know, so many times we look for others to validate us when God has already validated us. Mm -hmm. Just go back and say, Lord, if we did it before, you'll do it again. Do it again. Yes. And I feel like you just really have to seek God's face, that's it. face and pour out to him it's things that you can't tell anyone. You can tell him and you have to know that he is listening. He yes. will guide you footsteps he will give you exactly what you need when you need it and then yes. in addition to that he has the holy spirit who is your comforter is yeah. that peace that passes all understanding that i spoke about earlier and yes. with me, music and different songs again in that atmosphere of praise and praise and worship and um mindless plug for jj harrison we went to um, high school together but he has no way Wow. Live, 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 live. Yeah. That song is powerful. 
if you will want to live, 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 live. Yes. Love yeah. it. And it's so catchy. And it, it does, it does something for you. Live. We shall yeah. not die. Yes. yes. It's, 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 it's that hope. And if we are feeling suicidal, if we're feeling that hopelessness, that's not the time to isolate. And I know that that goes against everything that we might think, but that's when we have to go mind and spirit over mood. That's right. Because how I feel is not who God created me. Mm. I, I might feel down, but but I know that I'm more than a conqueror. Mm. Uh, I, I might feel hopelessness, but I know that I can do all things through Christ. Yes. I, I might feel uh, 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 definitely hopeless, but but joy comes in the morning. I'm looking Hallelujah. for my morning. Yeah, and, and and then you know, just talking scripture through that 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 definitely helps me. Listen, yeah. just give you beauty for ashes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. From the heart of overwhelm, lead me to the rock. That's Come right. On. Yes. yes, I just put that on the post today. Lead That's me good. to the rock. That's right tonight. Psalm sixty-two, I believe. That's one of my um, favorite scriptures. I have plenty of favorite scriptures, but right, right, right. Scriptures, um, you know, because we do get overwhelmed. You know, yes. when my heart is overwhelmed, lead yes. me to the rock that is yes. high. And yes. you, know, you feel that comfort. Um, when you when you say that, it's something about just saying that. Lead me to the rock. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, TD Jakes. Um, he came out with the love songs on um, that CD some years ago. Mm-hmm. One of the songs was "Usher Me into the Presence of the Lord," and he said that song was for his wife because mm-hmm. she had lost, um, I believe, her mother mm-hmm. at the time, and he couldn't do anything for her. And she said, "Just usher me into the presence." My of God, God, my God. God. Usher me into the presence of the Lord. You know, because here I know I can be all right. I know that I can let my hair down. I know that I'm going to be comforted in the presence of the Lord. And so yes. that is another song that is yes. so, um, amazing and comforting. Usher me into the presence of the Lord. Amazing. amazing. This is a beautiful conversation. I really yes. This, yes. So you're trying to leave now? Oh, not at all. My- <laughs> I can talk all night, but I, I really appreciate this. I think we need more outlets like this, and yes. we need more people to just be honest and open um, yes. and, and, and transparent. And, and you know, I, I, I continue to say it, but I, I know what it is to go through and to, to deal with things internally and, and stand there and smile and well, behind the glasses and behind the shades and times with tears. Mm-hmm. And not always of joy. Sometimes they are sorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're honest and you can just acknowledge and accept that and recognize that, that's the really the the the, the real stage of getting through anything that you're mm-hmm. dealing with. Accepting mm-hmm. and acknowledging it, and then having that resource to to, to to lean on. And and sometimes as a therapist, I'm sure you can you can attest there just aren't humans that you can lean on. And sometimes it's really just between you and God, and and, and sometimes people that you thought were were there to support you aren't going to. Mm-hmm. So I, I think since we're talking about faith, it's important people to understand that sometimes you know it really just is between you and God, mm-hmm. and, and and you just have to be willing to, to deal with that and accept that. Mm-hmm. But recognizing it is key. Yes. And it is so important for us to 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 pray and intercede for one another as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we just Even have to lift up. 
I was going to say on the other side, in terms of things that you can do, I actually um, sought out workshops that I could attend to learn more about suicide and became a suicide mm -hmm. provincialist. Mm -hmm. And my husband did, and my daughter Trinity also became I a provincialist. So we put in the work, we got the certificate, and now we know um, awesome. how to Yes. That's awesome. And that's what's needed. I believe that also that God is strategically putting believers in these places. That's right. Mm -hmm. We can minister even in our secular jobs. That's right. You know, that's right. I, I, when I work with children, you know, and I pat them on the head, I just anoint my hands and just discreetly just start laying hands on them. They don't know the difference. Right. You know, um, right. But, you know, we can't just come out and, you know, start laying hands on them. But discreetly we can do that you know yes. we'll on hands and just um praying over them but um i thank god for all of you for coming on tonight because this platform is for people to be authentic mm. be authentically themselves you know because so many times we're hiding behind the scenes and we're struggling in silence no one to talk to and even if they're not asking questions they're gonna you know they're gonna go back and they're gonna look at this and they're gonna seek help or they're going to um, build their relationship closer with God. And that's um, the final outcome that we want. Others. So um, do you guys have any closing remarks? To um, have one, if you have a, um, you know, a platform for yourself. I just want to encourage people to have those uncomfortable conversations. And like yes. you said earlier, check on your strong friends and, and put God first and he'll design the rest of your life and you can live. Yes. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. I, I, I um, share with everyone, ask, how are you? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. And get in there. Don't let us get off with the church here. Blessed and highly favored. I can see you're blessed and I know <laughs> you're favored, but yeah. now how are you how doing are right you? now and today? Yeah. Yes. I remember some years ago, um, I was going through something and my pastor said, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, okay. He said, no, how are you really doing? And I just bust out crying. Yes. Like, come with me in my office. But yeah. there's this, especially when you have a leader that knows their sheep mm -hmm. you know, and you know when something isn't wrong, you know when someone says they're okay, that they're really not okay. It's yeah. a matter of us paying attention because we have our own things that we're dealing with. And so That's right. they slip through the cracks and, you know, no one noticed that they stopped coming to church or they started mm -hmm. moving further and further in the back or you mm -hmm. know, they weren't visible as much. So we just have to keep an eye on those people, especially during this pandemic where we don't see them as much. You know, send yeah. them a text. How are you? I was thinking about you. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Lauren, you have some closing remarks? Or um, I mean, other than just be honest with yourself, I mean, I think that's just we just got to be honest with ourselves and recognize where we are in life and take a moment. Uh, you know, you talk about the pandemic. I work 12 hour days, six days a week from the start of the pandemic up until the second week of October. And then finally, I decided that I needed a weekend for me while well, I was on the crash. And it was just too much. I, I had seen too much, dealt with too much. And though I wasn't suicidal, I was just at a breaking point. And I think it's sure. important, even without being suicidal, is when you get to that breaking point in life, you yes. have to be honest, figure yeah. out how you can separate, mm -hmm. restart, rejuvenate, you know, get that fresh 
some breath air, a breath, you know, fresh breath air again, and, and, and go from there. So I think above all, just be honest with yourself and figure awesome. it out from there. Awesome. Marty, I know that you have your own podcast and your yeah. own platform. Um, you can share your information out right now that um, so that awesome. people can follow you, your social media or your, your, your podcast. Thank you. I try to keep everything simple. My podcast and my uh, social media on Facebook is Mental Health Matters with Marty. So Mental Health Matters with Marty, definitely we'd love for you to join our podcast. Just did a series on Black fatherhood and um, addressing Black fatherhood. Um, and then on Instagram, mental underscore health underscore Marty. Would love for you to check us out on there as well. So thank you. And thank you again for this amazing opportunity and, and to serve with you on this platform with these distinguished guests. Uh, <laughs> I see I got to make it out to the East Coast. <laughs> love to have you, man. I'm coming out to the West Coast. So. Come on, come on. I'm fully vaccinated, so I'm good. Same here. I got you. <laughs> Look, I still got my mask. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Maybe we'll talk about the vaccination uh, another time. I'm quite sure you probably already spoke about it on your platform, right? We have, but you know, you can never talk enough about it because we're trying to dispel the rumors and and myths that we have about it mm -hmm. um, in our communities because we have been the most affected by this mm -hmm. pandemic, proportionate, disproportionately yes. affected by it too. So we just want people to be in, in good wisdom and make wise decisions for life. Awesome, awesome. Well, I thank you, each one of you again for joining me tonight. I think this was a well needed conversation. It was very much um, I think we do need a part two. Yes. Uh, this is just mm -hmm. awesome. Um, also, um, you know, keep one another in prayer. Um, look out for your strong friends. Check them out. Check on them. Send them a text. Send them an email. Give them a call. Let them know that you're thinking about them, that you love them. Um, and that's it. So thank you again for joining us, everyone. Um, join us again next week. And we will be speaking with uh, Bishop Macbeth. He will be speaking on the topic, Leading While Empty. Mm. As leaders lead on empty. Um, so that should be a um, powerful, powerful. <laughs> um, um, topic for, for next week. So join us again next week at 7 p.m. And please share, like, and comment on this um, page. All right. Good night, everyone. Thank night. you again. Thanks for watching. Please join us again next week for another riveting and formative segment of His Will for Your Life podcast with Sherry and her special guest.